rising anti-Semitism, Holocaust denial, replacement theology, and boycott, divest, and sanction, BDS, are all anti-Israel, anti-God ideologies in the earth today, setting the stage for the Great Tribulation. We will discuss the prophetic significance of these false concepts along with End Time Ministries' support for Israel on today's edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries, and thank you for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. There's so much going on today in the news that is anti-Israel. And it's all based on a falsehood. In the USA Today, the article states, the United States and Germany is confronting rising anti-Semitism and Holocaust denial. Have you ever been to a Holocaust museum? Horrible, horrible acts of violence and against the Jews in World War II. I mean, just the most unthinkable things you can imagine. But for somebody to deny that, that it even happened, totally anti-Semitic, anti-history, anti-Israel, And the ABC News, anti-Semitism has surged across the United States during the Gaza conflict, part of a multi-year rise. Over the last several years, we've seen a rise of anti-Semitism here in, even in America, the largest population of Jews on the earth. And then, so let me give you a few examples and then we'll get off into some of the details of it. I-24 News, they published an an article that there was a letter signed by 73 House Democrats that called on President Biden to reverse President Trump's pro-Israel policies. Now, these are Democrats in the House of Representatives, everybody, in the United States, not in China, not in Russia, not in Iran. This is the United States of America. The letter was signed by 73 Democrats in the House of Representatives, and it called on President Biden to reverse all of the Trump administration's pro-Israel policies, including his peace plan that was to resolve the the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, to to completely move off of that. And the letter sent to the White House um, yesterday urged the Biden um, to refer to Israel's settlements as illegal under international law, uh, under the UN Security Council Resolution 2334, and to Gaza and the West Bank as in official U.S. documents and communications as their settlements out there, illegal under international law. Of course, that was under the Obama-Biden administration in the lame duck session. It was 
they abstained and allowed that to pass through the UN Security Council as a resolution in 2016, just prior to President Trump taking office. And the article says that in the letter, we urge you to reverse the previous administration's abandonment of longstanding bipartisan United States um, the issues and stances on the Middle East. The letter actually stated that. And signatories to the letter included seven committee chairs, seven Jewish Democrats, including Representative Jan Schakowsky of Illinois, who initiated it, along with Representatives Jerry Connolly of Virginia and Peter Welsh of Vermont. J Street President Jeremy Benami, he said, this letter was from a significant portion of the Democratic caucus, signed by a number of House committee chairs and leaders, sends a critical message to the Biden administration that it can and should do much more to help undo the damage caused by former President Trump and to stop the ongoing deterioration of the Israeli-Palestinian situation. And you know, you understand that Trump upended, they say, decades of official U.S. policy, which was a very good thing, I might add, regarding Israel. And they said that during his term, including moving, now this is what they say um, is a bad thing, and that he went against uh, decades of United States policy, but he should have. And they said he did this by moving the United States Embassy to Jerusalem, recognizing the Golan Heights as is Israeli territory, and declaring the U.S. no longer considers Israeli settlements in the West Bank to be illegal. Now, their stance on this, decades of U.S., uh, the U.S.'s position on this, is, was anti-Bible, anti-God, and anti-Semitic. They had a stance of being anti-Israel. Think about this. Now, these Democrats sent this letter yesterday to President Biden. But we need to make sure we understand the history behind this. I want to give you a short history lesson and then I'll dive right back off into end time ministry stance with Israel and some um, some of these different horribly anti-Israel ideologies. God chose Mount Moriah, the Temple Mount, around 2000 BC when He instructed Abraham to go there to sacrifice his son Isaac. And then around 1000 BC, King David moved Israel's capital from Hebron to Jerusalem. And then Jerusalem remained Israel's capital for about uh, 1,070 years until the Romans drove the Jews out of the city in 70 AD. And during King David's reign, God instructed him to buy the Temple Mount as a place of sacrifice. The exact same place to which God had sent Abraham for his sacrifice of Isaac. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24, it says that David purchased the Temple Mount from Arana, the Jebusite, for 50 shekels of silver. Well, of course, because King David was a, a warrior and had too much blood on his hands, his son Solomon built the first temple on the Temple Mount 
and he completed it in 968 BC. During the dedication of Solomon's temple, fire supernaturally fell down from heaven on the sacrifice and the glory of God filled the temple. And this divine event forever solidified in the Jewish mind God's approval of the temple on the Temple Mount as the center of Jewish life. Now, these Democrats yesterday sent a letter to President Biden that said, hey, us moving an embassy and recognizing the settlements and and Israel's right to the land beyond the 67 borders is not illegal. They were absolutely diametrically opposed to that. Does the book of Revelation frighten you? Do its symbols confuse you? For centuries, the book of Revelation has been misunderstood and misinterpreted. In Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, volume one, Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. This 10-part definitive DVD series and 268-page comprehensive commentary book covers the first 12 chapters of the book of Revelation, featuring on-location photography, classic artwork, and symbolic illustrations. You'll walk away with complete understanding and peace about the events happening during the final years on Earth. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding as you dig into the original intent of the book, answering the mysterious prophecies and symbols of the book of Revelation. Don't miss this special offer. Call now, 1-800-END-TIME, or go to endtime.com to order. Call or go online now to get this comprehensive Bible study. We've seen Bible prophecy fulfilled like never before. From the halls of the United Nations to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, End Time Ministries continues to reveal the Bible prophecy in the news headlines around the world every day. Whether it's through our broadcast or online at our Jerusalem Prophecy College, your gifts enable us to put vital materials in the hands of those who need it most. Because of you, we continue to replace fear with faith in the hearts of Christians around the world we will continue to see prophecy come to pass at an even swifter pace. We need your support. Your donation of any amount enables us to continue to broadcast and be a voice in the ever-growing censored media. To become a partner or give a one-time gift, visit endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME right now. That's 800-363-8463. Go online now. Visit endtime.com. Just a quick announcement before we get deep off back into this topic here is that today and tomorrow, my interview with Jim and Lori Baker uh, aired on the Jim Baker Network. And it is um, today and again tomorrow. And so I was on a Skype interview with them. It looks like I'll be going up to their facility in Branson here sometime in August to do another interview but if you're interested in watching that, I believe you can still go onto their website, the um, Jim and Lori Baker's website, and watch the interview today and then the one coming tomorrow. It was a wonderful interview and a, lot, a very insightful interview. He, he's a great interview. He asked a lot of great questions. So uh, if you'd like to watch that interview, you can go there and check it out. It's really neat. I think you would really enjoy that. Now, we're talking about the rise of anti-Semitism, anti-Israel 
this ideology going on in the world. And should we stand with Israel? Does it really matter? I mean, that's the question that we need to be asking some of these people who are in the boycott, divest, and sanction, or that believe in um, replacement theology, or uh, Holocaust denial. I mean, what's really going on here in America, folks? I'm not talking about some other country across the blue. I'm talking about right here where we live, a Christian nation. Why Net News ran an article. They said that the um, University of North Carolina that they did a survey, and it was conducted among an online panel of 700 evangelical Christians, ages 18 to 29, back on uh, March and April. And the poll by the University of North Carolina found that just 33% of young evangelicals supported Israel, compared to 69% just, what, uh, three years ago. 33% compared to 69% took a huge nosedive. And I believe it. Um, Young people are simply not being educated on the Bible or Israel. Which is, I mean, this is our next generation coming up, everybody. And we need to make sure that our children, our youth groups, just if if you're a youth pastor... And you're having a youth group, let's say on a Saturday night or a Wednesday night or something like that. And all you're doing is having parties and playing softball and things like that. There's nothing wrong with that. But make sure because there are societal peer pressures that are hammering on our children, the schools, everything. We need to make sure if you're a youth pastor, make sure you set them kids down and teach them an in-depth Bible study. Make sure they know the Bible because I'm talking about eternal consequence. There's nothing wrong with playing softball and all that. I did all that coming up in church. But I said under Irvin Baxter who would set us down. He got a big green chalk, one of them real old green chalkboards out. And he would write it down. He'd say, hey, here's a biblical doctrine. Write it on the chalkboard. And then he would write the scripture. Here's why we teach what we do. And he was a wonderful teacher. That's how I was raised in Irvin Baxter's church. But now we've got all these, it's just all about canoe trips and camping trips and all this other stuff and very little Bible study. We've got to get back to Bible study to our next generation coming up, folks. I can only imagine what my life would be like having not had a good Bible teacher my entire life and men of God that spoken in my life that helped me understand much of the Bible. My daughter, Holly, taught a Bible study years ago to a group of girls at a local high school. And they were about 16 to 18 years old. And she, she asked all of them, okay, how, I want to find out how much you know about the Bible. And those girls, none of them, knew the basic Bible stories of Noah and the ark, David and Goliath, Daniel and the lion's den. They, they couldn't recite the stories. They knew of Noah, but they couldn't really tell the story about what really went on with the, with the flood and him coming out of the flood and why God just saved eight of them and all. They couldn't understand what would Daniel and the lion's den. They, they didn't really know how to explain that. I'm talking about basic Bible knowledge. None of the girls... 17 to 18 years old in the Bible study 
could talk about any of those stories in depth. Really, even a surface knowledge. And so I believe what this poll said, that the really the, the supporting, not just the supporting of Israel, but the Bible knowledge in America right now is on a decline. And um, JNS, the J- Jewish News Syndicate, they published an article, and this is what I really, the meat of what I wanted to get into today. Why is young evangelical support of Israel eroding? So they say in the article, and I'm going to quote a few excerpts here. Over the past few decades, evangelical Christians have emerged as one of Israel's core bases of support, both in the United States and many other countries as well. However, growing trends of secularization and liberal ideologies, as well as the erosion of pro-Israel theology, are threatening to undermine the support, particularly among young evangelicals. They're not being educated properly on the Bible. And if you believe in the Bible and you're a Christian, you've got to support Israel. I mean, it's, it's, Israel is what most of the prophecies concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ are focused on. And so a recent poll commissioned by two University of North Carolina, I'm going to get back into that poll a little bit in this article at Pembroke professors showed a sharp drop in support for Israel among the younger uh, set. And it has raised some eyebrows and they mentioned a few things. And this is what I wanted to get into. But then they said there's another factor, and that's theology. They said, well, there may not be as many kids attending church and things like that. But then they talked about young evangelicals' theology that they were being taught. Evangelicals traditionally identify with premillennialism, which teaches that God's promise to the Jewish people remains in force and that there is still a role for the Jewish people to play in the end time which includes a return to the land of Israel. Well, of course, we know that that's true. Ezekiel 37, I'll get into that in a minute. But I absolutely believe that, that there is a role for Israel during the end time. God still has his hands upon Israel, and he called them back together after the Holocaust, back into the land of Israel. A lot of people don't even believe that. But in contrast, and I'm going back to the article, amillennialism sometimes referred to as suppressionism or replacement theology. It maintains that God's promise to the people of Israel has been fulfilled with the advent of Jesus. And so Israel no longer has a role in in the plan of God, in God's divine plan throughout the end time. Okay, let me be... Very clear right here, because I get this question a lot. Replacement theology, the belief that the church superseded or replaced Israel as God's covenant people and that Israel no longer has a role in the end time and God's divine plan. That is absolutely false teaching. Do not believe that for one minute. And I want to show you scripturally that uh, replacement theology is absolutely false. It's very important that we understand this. 
If you look at, and I'm going to give you several examples here because I want to make sure I drive this point home because I, we don't want to get into the end time where young evangelical Christians don't support Israel or really don't know. It's really because they've been taught a wrong theology or really haven't been educated on theology at all. And so we want to make sure, make sure that you are educating your children on the Bible, the most important book. The Bible tells us where we come from, why we're here, and where we're going in eternity and how to get there. And, but yet, I've talked to people, adults. Let me, let, let me get off the younger generation here. I've talked to adults that had almost no knowledge, no, no knowledge of the Bible at all. And that's where a Bible study comes in. We've got to educate people on Scripture. Because if you, you've got to have a working knowledge of that, it's very, very critical. So, let me prove to you that replacement theology is a false teaching. There is a role for the Jews in the end time. Very, very critical here. I have Jewish friends today that have been born again, they're Christians, and they're going to heaven. You say, well, it's not the final seven years yet. It's not the second coming of Jesus Christ yet. Uh, we're, we're way past 70 AD. How can you have Jewish friends that have been born again and on their way to heaven? Because the Bible says Israel hath been blinded in part until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. So let, let me just explain. So we, when you talk about the 144,000 in the book of Revelation, chapter 7 and chapter 14. The 144,000 is a remnant of Jews in the last days. The Bible mentions 144,000, 12,000 from each Israeli tribe in Revelation 7. Revelation 7 is a symbolic view of the end time Jewish Gentile church. Some people would say, well, there's no such thing as a Jewish Gentile church. Oh, really? What about the early church? There were Jews and Gentiles in the early church. So just like there was an early Jewish Gentile church, there's going to be an end time Jewish Gentile church. And to say that God is completely done with Israel and that he only is going to focus on the church in the end time is anti-scriptural. Revelation 14.4, the Bible describes the 144,000 in this way. It mentions them in both passages. Revelation 14 says, These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which followed the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. So, the book of Revelation was written using symbols, beasts, uh, symbolized kingdoms, women symbolized churches, and so on. So here the Bible teaches us that these were not defiled with women, but they are virgins. So this is not talking about the physical sense here. Throughout the book of Revelation, a compromised church is depicted as a harlot. Revelation 17, Revelation 18. 
throughout the Old Testament, every time Israel went after other gods, they were actually, they were accused of spiritual harlotry. Uh, the Bible says they went a whoring after other gods. Okay. These religious Jews have not gone against, we're back to the 144,000. These religious Jews have not gone against what they believe. They have not been compromised. Even while most of the nation of Israel is proceeding in an anti-biblical direction, these will f- uh, refuse to follow along. The Bible says that ultimately they will be the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb, Jesus Christ. So the Jews described here, I'm in Revelation 14 now, and the ones that are mentioned in Revelation 7, they're described here as... Um, that have not yet accepted Jesus as the Messiah, but whoever these 144,000 are, they will have to. The scripture specifically states that they are the first fruits unto the Lamb, Jesus Christ. So whoever these 144,000 are, they will have to have faith in Jesus Christ as Savior in order to be partakers of the salvation of the Lamb of God. They're going to be born-again individuals. They're going to be part of the end-time Jewish-Gentile church. Remember, Jesus, who was a Jew, told Nicodemus, who was a Jew, Nicodemus, except you're born again, you can't enter or see the kingdom of God. Right? So that doesn't mean in the future that there will be Jews that, prior to the rapture, that will be able to go to heaven that are not born again. Okay? Follow me closely here. So the next question is, well, how can they be first fruits if they are alive right now? Well, it is almost certain that they live now because all of these things are to be fulfilled in the end time, right? I'm way off into Revelation 7 and Revelation 14. How could they still be the first fruits? Well, we're living in an incredible revival right now. In Ezekiel 37, there's a prophecy about a valley of bones referring to the rebirth of the nation of Israel. Verse 11 and 12 says, Then he said unto me, Son of man, well, I'm in Ezekiel now. Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, uh, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open up your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Now, folks, this is an end time prophecy. And it began back in 1948. I'll get into some of this in more, a lot more detail, actually, on the other side of the break. But we're living through this great gathering of God back into Israel. It's still happening. And it is setting the stage for a great revival. We're actually living through this, the prophesied end time revival. Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, you can watch all of our content in a secure, 
easy-to-view way from your favorite device. When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Move Mountains with Irvin Baxter. This book by Irvin's grandson provides 30 days of devotion that will enhance your relationship with God and others. Authentic illustrations from early morning devotions at end time will help you find your purpose and eliminate fears. Commit to taking this 30-day journey and experience real life change. Get your book for only $14.99. Call 1-800-363-8463 or go to endtime.com slash move. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. So I'm proving to you that replacement theology is a false teaching. The nation of Israel was scattered for 2,000 years from 70 AD to 1948. And despite the odds, the Jewish people felt compelled to return to their homeland. Now, this is a fulfillment of the Bible prophecy back in Ezekiel chapter 37. And the nation of Israel was born. And the Bible speaks of that as a great revival. However, The revival is not over yet. The great Jewish revival, I mean, a revival can span 30, 50, 100 years, more. And this revival actually began in the early days of the church age. When the angel appeared to Zacharias and told him that he would have a son, John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Most High. The rebirth of the nation of Israel is going to culminate on the Mount of Olives, when the Jews will worship Jesus and acknowledge him as King and Kings of Lord, and Lord of Lords. That's, and so Romans eleven twenty five and 26 says, blindness in part hath happened to Israel until the fullness of Gentiles become in. And so then all Israel shall be saved. God will turn back to Israel and he's already started. Again, I have many Jewish friends that have been born again, and they're on the way to heaven. But at this point, God's going to turn back to Israel to say that Israel has no place in God's divine plan for the end time. That's a lack of Bible knowledge, everybody. Scripture tells us that God plunged the Jews. This is very important. Scripture tells us that God plunged the Jews into blindness While he dealt with the Gentiles, the Gentiles were in blindness throughout the Old Testament while God dealt with the Jews. The Bible says that God hath concluded all in unbelief so that he might have mercy upon all. We are reaching that pivotal area when the veil will be ripped off that Jewish mind. And it is, remember, they've been blinded in part. But there's coming a time when all of Israel is going to be saved. And it's starting to happen already. According to the Jerusalem uh, Post a few years ago, 
19% of all Jews on earth believe Jesus was their Messiah. Did you hear that? At some point, these 144,000 will have to come to a revelation of who Jesus Christ really is. There are, there are many that they have seen all of the messianic prophecies leading up to and fulfilled by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ fulfilled every messianic prophecy. Okay? So somebody who is sincere in their heart, they've got to look at that and say, wow, Jesus really was the Messiah. And they're going, to, they're going to recognize that physically when he comes back and plants his feet on the Mount of Olives. The Bible says they're going to look at his scars and they're going to say, Messiah, where'd you get those scars? And he's, he's going to reply, these are the, they which I received in the house of my friends. And they're going to realize that the Messiah was in fact Jesus. And so the 144,000 are the first fruits unto God and the Lamb in the sense that they are the, they are the first that will turn to Jesus in this latter day revival of the nation of Israel. Now, Revelation 17, 9 through 14. Again, I said Revelation 17 is like a, it's a revival chapter. It's a, it's a, it's a symbolic view of the end time Jewish Gentile church. How do I know that? Well, Revelation 7, 9, John gives us a depiction of the 144,000, 12,000 out of each tribe. Then in Revelation 7, 9, immediately he says, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, here it is, of all nations. So it's going to be a remnant of Jews, but it's also going to be Chinese and Russian and American and African and German and just all, the Bible says all nations, all kindreds, all people and all tongues. Heaven is going to be filled with everybody. Doesn't matter what color you are. Doesn't matter your pedigree doesn't matter. None of that matters. All that matters is, have you been born again? And is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? That's all that matters, really. And John said, I, I saw a multitude, no make a number, from every nation, every kindred, every people, every tongue, that stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And verse 10 says, and they cried with a loud voice, saying, salvation, to our God which sitteth upon the throne unto the Lamb. It's a vision in heaven. And then verse 13, the one of the elders looks at John's and says, well, hey, where did these, what are these that are arrayed in white robes? Where'd they come from? And John says, I don't know. You know. And the elder says, John, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So there are going to be Jews and every other people from every other nation, kindred, people, and tongue that are born again that go to heaven. It's a symbolic view of the end time Jewish Gentile church. So how does that line up with replacement theology? It doesn't. Replacement theology, a totally false teaching. Folks, 
with all of these societal pressures, with the international community, you realize the Antichrist and the world government will be against Israel. Because Satan is the mastermind behind the world government. God's method of ruling the world is the church. And so we as Christians must always stand with Israel. Period. The, the, think about this. <clears throat> the descendants of Abraham, through the lineage of Isaac, Jacob, they gave us our Bible. Every word of Scripture was written by one from this lineage. And they also gave us our Messiah, Jesus, who purchased our plan of salvation on Calvary. I mean, think about this. This goes back to kind of how you were raised. I mean, growing up attending Sunday school, we heard stories of Noah's Ark and the flood. Abraham, the father of the physical and spiritual people on the earth. Moses and the Ten Commandments, not Charlton Heston, but Moses, the Ten Commandments, and the great exodus from Egypt. Um, Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Daniel in the lion's den, David and Goliath, Job and all of his trials, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the fiery furnace. Um, <clears throat> of course, Jesus, the, uh, the Messiah, the, the, the act of Calvary, the, the apostles, the, the plan of salvation in the book of Acts, the, the New Testament church, Bible prophecy. I mean, we would have, think about this very important, we have, we would have none of this if it weren't for the descendants of Abraham through the lineage of Isaac, Jacob, the Hebrews, Jews, Israel. So you wonder, why do we want to support Israel? Does that even need to be a question in your mind? I mean, the rebirth, I mean, just, the reason I want to do this program is I told you about the letter earlier by all of these Democrats saying how we should totally reverse all of President Trump's moves that happened in Israel, recognizing Israel as uh, uh, Jerusalem as Israel's capital, moving our embassy there, saying that the settlers living out on the West Bank are not illegal, illegally occupying the land in the eyes of the international community, acknowledging Israel's right to the Golan Heights. They're saying we should reverse all that. And there are huge moves right now for people to believe in um, Holocaust denial, the boycott, divest, and sanction movement for the settlers out in the West Bank, the, um, and this replacement theology and all these other things that are going on. You've got to educate yourself on these things, folks. Know your history. Know the Bible. Make sure you know what to believe. Because there are people that are trying to move our younger generation off of that. And they've got to know what to believe in moving forward. The, the, why do we want to help Israel? The rebirth of the nation of Israel just before the second coming of Jesus Christ clearly prophesied in Ezekiel 36 and 37 as well as in many other places. That rebirth took place back on May 14, 1948. That's a sovereign act of God for people to willingly not acknowledge that shows a lack of biblical understanding. However, 
more than just the physical rebirth of Israel is the prophesied spiritual rebirth of Israel in the Bible. And Paul spoke about a time when the full spiritual restoration of Israel would occur. He said, for I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits. Here it is again, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so then all Israel shall be saved as it is written. There shall come out of uh, Zion, the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. That's Romans eleven twenty five and 26. In Romans eleven twenty eight, Paul said this about the Jews. That's concerning the gospel. They are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the father's sakes. So it only stands to reason that Jesus loves his kinsmen according to the flesh. Jesus was a Jew. And he lamented over Jerusalem and he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often I would have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, but you would not. That's Matthew 23, 38. So why wouldn't we want to be a blessing to the Jewish people at the time of their promised revival? This is scriptural. I mean, think about this. What, a, what an honor to be part of the effort to help the people that gave us our Messiah. Every word of the Bible was written by a Jewish person from that lineage as he was moved on by the Holy Ghost. God promised Israel through Abraham, and I will bless them that bless thee, I will curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That's Genesis 12, 3. So we have got to stand with Israel throughout the end time. The United States as a whole, when I see articles that 73 House Democrats are urging President Biden to reverse the Trump era moves that were very good for Israel and for the United States. And they were biblical moves, recognizing Israel's Jerusalem as Israel's capital. God chose Jerusalem for Israel's capital. You understand? He said 40 times in the Old Testament, I will put my name there. And so for somebody in the United States in 2021 to say, well, we don't necessarily agree with that. That's anti-biblical. People have a, 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 not a, a, a horrible knowledge of the Word of God or the lack thereof. And so we've got to know the Bible and we've got to stand with Israel all the way through the end time. Most of us walk around day by day blind to the prophecies being fulfilled right before us. Every news report brings a new piece to the puzzle in the race towards the final seven years and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, more than ever, it is important for God's people to understand the times in which we are living. On November the 12th, 2013, 
we opened our Jerusalem Prophecy College in downtown Jerusalem. These same courses are now available online for people who are unable to attend the classes in person. We welcome students to join us and discover the link between current events and the prophecies of the Bible. Take your place in the prophecy of Daniel 11.33. Enroll in the Jerusalem Prophecy College today. Go to JerusalemProphecyCollege.com. You know, everyone, you just heard the commercial by my father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, join the Jerusalem Prophecy College. You say, well, Dave, I would love to know all of this stuff. I would love to be educated. I came up through church and I don't know any, you know, much about this. What's the best way for me to educate myself? The most, the, the quickest way that I know of for you to get up to speed on this is because this is years of study to figure all this stuff out. Irvin Baxter just talked about it. Join the Jerusalem Prophecy College. I had people come up to me this weekend and said, Dave, I'm going through that Jerusalem Prophecy College and I love it. Learning things I've never learned. Uh, It's opening my view to the world, what's going on, the geopolitical situations around the world, in Israel, in the Middle East, here in the United States, what's the role of everything. I'm telling you guys, the Jerusalem Prophecy College, we've got just over 5,000 students in that right now. We started the Jerusalem Prophecy College physically in Israel back in 2013. Every Thursday morning, we personally still teach a class over there. They have a lot of other things going on, different classes and things. But on Thursday morning, we personally teach a, um, a class from our studios to the students, uh, Jewish students in the Jerusalem Prophecy College. And we are going to use that in this end time revival that's happening, we're going to use the Jerusalem Prophecy College to help with the facilitation of this end time revival for the Jews in the last days. And I'll, I'll be getting into some of that in more detail. But you say, well, what can I do? I can't go to Israel. Right, right. So we made it available online. It's an online college. We've got over 5,000 students going through it right now. So all you have to do, go to www.JerusalemProphecyCollege.com, register there. It's super easy to do. And then enroll in your first semester. And like I said, we've got over 5,000 students. It is, I don't know how much, I think $59 a semester. And I'm telling you, I, I've been, I, I went to college and did some different things and some college courses, I should say. I didn't go all the way through college. But I have done a lot of things, studied a lot of stuff, and this material will bring you up to speed on all of this very quickly. It's very focused. It's Irvin Baxter teaching it. And I'm telling you, if you want to, if you want to come up to speed quickly, Go through the Jerusalem Prophecy College. JerusalemProphecyCollege.com. Register. Start enrolling in the semesters. It's, it's awesome. And it's very cheap. We, we don't make a lot of money on it. It's, it's on there to educate people and to make sure they know what to do in the end time. So I would encourage you to do that if you want to come up to speed very quickly. Because what I'm finding, um, I go to a guy just really quickly. 
I've been going to a guy a couple times that's helping me with my, uh, helping me physically uh, to make sure. Irvin Baxter started doing that about a few months before he passed away. The guy that was helping him said, look, I can help you, but let's not wait till you're 70, 75. I'm 52. He said, I want to keep you in shape because we're going to need you guys throughout the end time. So he's, he's helping me. I went there and he, we, we talked for, we, we worked out for 45 minutes and then he, he, we talked for 45 minutes because he's, he was, he was just a, a wonderful guy. And he told me, he said in my church, he said that they're, they're not really teaching really, um, in-depth Bible studies and different things like that. It's just kind of fluff and pomp and circumstance and things like that. They don't really get into the meaty subjects of the Bible and really, you know, analyze these things and, uh, really get into doctrinal issues and all these things. And so I was thinking about our Jerusalem prophecy college, Irvin Baxter gets deep into all of the doctrinal beliefs. And the Bible says, hold to the doctrines because in doing so you'll save yourself and them that hear you. But yet we've got major churches in America that are moving off of the doctrine because, whoa, they see that as divisive. But doctrine is not divisive if you have a sincere heart. If you've got a sincere heart, you're going to want to hold to them doctrines and you're going to wrap around them and you're not going to let go because the doctrines will save you. You have to, you have to go by those things. The majority of the New Testament is written to show Christians how to live one post the born again experience, not pre, but post the born again experience. The book of Romans through Jude is written to people and to show them, Hey, what's coming? Here's how you need to live. Here's how a Christian lives. No, you don't do this. You do that. And it's not a bunch of rules of doing do's and don'ts. It's things that are used to protect you from this world and things that you can get caught up in that will destroy you. And so offense is used for two reasons. It's to keep bad things out and to keep you in a boundary. Hey, I shouldn't go out there. It's danger out there. And it's to keep bad things from getting in. So it's all in how you look at it. It's a perspective. Wow, man, I could talk about that for a while. But talking about Israel again, if, if you consider the prophecies of Jesus in Matthew 24, 21, we're talking about the Jerusalem Prophecy College. Why did we do that? I mean, why are we interested in Israel, right? Well, consider these prophecies by Jesus in Matthew 24, 15 through 21. Jesus told, he foretold that when the Jews saw the event of the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, which is when the Antichrist will stand in the Jewish temple and proclaim to be God just in the very near future, that those, those that were residing out there in Judea, that they would have to flee for their lives. And he said the situation would be so desperate that if they were on their housetops, if you saw that at the time of the abomination of desolation, they would not even go down into their house to get their clothes. They, they would just hit the ground running. Or if they were working out in the field, don't even go back to your house to gather your possessions. He said that the residents of Judea, those that are out in the West Bank today, would have to immediately just run for your life. He said, because then it's going to be great tribulation such as what's not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So the prophecy means that nothing, it, th this prophecy really would mean nothing to a person that was not familiar with Judea. 
But, you know, I've been to Israel several times. I've been to Judea, the West Bank, several times. And I understand perfectly why Jesus issued this warning 2,000 years ago for the Jewish residents living in Judea or the West Bank shortly prior to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And you, you, would, you would, today, the West Bank, or the Judea is, is referred to as the West Bank or as the international community claims, occupied territories. But it's not occupied, it's disputed. Because really the Jews have a legal right there. God gave them that land. That's all you need. If God gives you something, I mean, what more claim do you need to it than that? Well, so back when the ceasefire stopped, back in the uh, War of Independence in, in 49, Israel found herself in possession of approximately the area of the Old Testament kingdom of Israel. However, Israel did not control the biblical promised land of Judea. That was occupied by the Jordanian army, including East Jerusalem, where the Temple Mount's located. And this situation continued for the next 18 years. In 1967, um, Nasser, the president of Egypt, he decided it was time to drive this young Israeli nation off into the sea, right? You remember? So he ordered the, the United Nations troops, which had been separating Israel from Egypt since 1949. He, he said, you guys get out of the country. And they left. And he replaced them with Egyptian troops along the southern border of Israel. He also blockaded the Straits of Tehran uh, from Israeli shipping. And because of those were international waters. Well, Israel, of course, considered that an act of war. So it was around this time that Nasser signed a military alliance with King Hussein of Jordan. So they're, they're, they're on the east and they're on the southern border. Well, Israel, realizing that war was going to happen no matter what, they launched a surprise attack against the Egyptian Air Force. And that was on, uh, what, uh, June 5th of 1967? And that attack caught the Egyptian Air Force on the ground and it destroyed almost all of the Egyptian airplanes. And the war with, the war with Egypt had begun at that point, obviously. So the same day, Israel Prime Minister Levi Eshkol, he sent a message to King Hussein of Jordan and he said, hey, Israel had no quarrel against the country of Jordan. And if Jordan would stay out of the war, Israel would not bother her. However, Eshkol said that if Jordan did attack Israel... Israel would counterattack with all of its might. Well, of course, you know history. King Hussein couldn't bring himself to stand aside while his Arab brethren were fighting against this hated Zionist entity. And so he ordered his forces to attack Israel, which was a huge mistake. Israel counterattacked, drove the Jordanians from East Jerusalem, and this would be the Six Days War, completely out of across the West Bank, sweeping all the way to the Jordan River. And when the ceasefire was declared on June 10th, Judea, or the modern-day West Bank, which had been occupied by the Jordanian army for 18 years, was in Israel's hand. And God instructed that to Israel that when she brought them back, when he brought them back into the land, promised to the fathers by the, the, their fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that they were to occupy that land. So the religious dudes who took God's word seriously, they began to move into the lands vacated by Jordan 
who had illegally occupied it, by the way, and they created settlements out there. And today, there are over 800,000 Jews living in these disputed territories and in East Jerusalem. You understand that? They're approaching a million Jews living out there. And so you can understand the dynamics of all of this when the international community, the United States, under the Obama-Biden administration, allowed a UN Security Council resolution, resolution 2334, to pass. The United States abstained. We could have raised our hand and vetoed it. But we abstained and allowed it to pass that said Israel's right to occupy that land out there is illegal in the eyes of the international community. International law, world government, same thing. And so Jesus said, hey, you in the, just prior to my second coming, you that are living out there in Judea or the West Bank, those settlers, when you see the abomination of desolation occur, let them which be in Judea flee. Well, it's a New Testament prophecy. The Jews do not follow the New Testament. So who's going to warn them? Well, to my knowledge, End Time Ministries is the only entity on the planet, again, to my knowledge, that is talking about doing something to warn them. That's why we established the Jewish College in Jerusalem. Many of you helped us do that. And we are going to go on a door-knocking campaign when the final seven years starts. We're going to send a magazine to every home in Israel. And we are going to warn those individuals. And many of them will leave. The Bible says they will. And End Time Ministries, because we support Israel 100%, in, according to Scripture, we were going to stand with them. And because we know the great revival's coming, we are going to... According to God's will, go out there and help those Jews escape that great tribulation and help them find and understand that Jesus Christ was the Messiah and to have a great revival. The revival's prophesied. Somebody's got to do it. We're going to be intricately involved. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.